Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. Uh, about a month ago, Gabe preached on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We were going through a series called What is the Gospel? Right? And the last point talked about Jesus rising from the dead. But the question is, is when we look at the good news that God created and owns all things, right? That God gave us his law and he has, he expects perfection of us to obey his law. We have failed. We have not obeyed, right? We've broken the Ten Commandments. Therefore, we deserve Punishment, which is hell. It's the fourth point. All fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We deserve eternal punishment for our sin. But God, in his grace, sent his son Jesus Christ to be the perfect substitute, right? And a substitute, if you think about it, anyone play sports in here? Okay, some of you. Well, there's moments where Michael is playing basketball, and he gets really tired. Not really, though. You never get tired, right? He gets really tired, and he's like, I need a new, fresh set of legs out here, someone that can take my place, right, who can fulfill my position and do a better job. Well, in a much greater way, right, we were, sinner, we were, we were sinners before God, destined to hell, but Jesus substituted, took our place. He lived a perfect life, for us, and he died on the cross, taking the penalty of our sin, which was eternal wrath, right? Jesus, did you know that Jesus bore in his body the full wrath of God that you deserve? The eternity of hell that you deserve was poured out on Jesus in three hours. He took that for you, he substituted himself for you. So if he took our punishment, what happens to us? Well, for those who repent and believe, uh, they will receive the righteousness, the good works of Jesus Christ applied to their account so that when God sees you, when you stand before him, he doesn't see your filthy works. He sees Jesus's good works in your account, right? And Jesus, we know this to be true, all of this to be true because Jesus rose again from the dead. Not just privately, but publicly. Multiple people, over 500 people, eyewitnessed Jesus rise from the dead. And their testimony has now been passed down into these words. And so we, because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we can have comfort and assurance and certainty that what God has written down in his word is true. But the question is this. That's all good news, JT. That's great news. Every sinner needs to hear that good news, but how does that good news become mine? How does the good news then, if you know it in your head, become applied to you? How can you know, how do you receive eternal life? If you know it, you know these truths, I just listed out those. How can, that, how can you be a part of that, right? Because one thing to know, it's another thing to have, right? How can 
how do we receive and enter into How does this good news become good news for me and for you? And the answer is, there's two answers, and we're going to look at them the next two weeks. This week, we're going to be looking at the first answer, which is by faith. By faith. Saving faith is the means by which the good news becomes ours. We are saved not by works, but by grace through faith. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 1, right when he begins his ministry. And this is one of our key texts that you should memorize. Mark chapter 1, Jesus' first sermon is this. He says, the time is pregnant. He uses the word fulfilled. But the idea is like a woman who's about to give birth, right? The time is fulfilled. You guys are laughing. The kingdom is at hand. It's about to come. It's about to be birthed out. It's about to happen. I'm using an illustration, right? The, the kingdom, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. So next week, we're going to look at repent. This week, we're going to look at what it means to believe. What is true saving faith? The main point is that the gospel calls us to believe in Jesus Christ for our salvation. But how can you know that you've been saved? Faith and repentance. Those are the two fruits. How do you know a tree is alive? An apple tree? Lila, if you got an apple tree in your backyard, how do you know it's alive? It's producing fruit, right? And then you get to eat the apple, and hopefully there's no worm in there. So that'd be really disgusting. The way that we know people are saved is by whether or not they have bore the fruit of faith and repentance. So what is faith? What is faith? Actually, we've got three, three points tonight. What faith isn't, okay? So we're going to look at the negative. What is not faith or what faith isn't? And then what faith is, true saving faith? And then how do we live by faith, okay? So what faith is not let me give you a negative illustration. If you were to ask your friends, what is faith? What does it mean to have faith? What would they say? I think many Christians or many people, even in the church or outside of the church for sure, they would say that having faith is like having, uh, taking a blind leap into the dark. It's like you're on a cliff and you're like, I, I think it's true. You know, I just got to have faith and jump. And then you smacked that at the bottom of the cliff, right? Right? Like faith is blind. It's like you're walking through life and, and you're blind. You're like, I just gotta have faith. I just and some people view faith in that way, that that it's like this blind leap in the dark. It's not grounded in anything. There's no reason involved, right? You're like, oh, we have science and reason. Those Christians, they got their blind faith. That's faith is not that. That's a wrong view, actually. It's like, it's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute thinking, okay, if I just muster up enough faith, then a parachute will, uh, you know, arrive on my back and I, and I will be saved. No, you need, you need the parachute, right? Many pe people believe that uh, what faith is, or sorry, um, Many people believe that this is what faith is, this blind faith. And so these non-believers will look at Christians and say, what, what are they thinking? 
They're not thinking, right? It's just blind. But is this how the Bible describes faith? Faith is not a feeling. It's not you getting goosebumps, right? It's not an emotion. It's not when you have feelings. That's not what faith is. It's not an experience. Some of you, maybe you go to camp and you, or, and you experience just the love of God there, but even that experience isn't necessarily faith, okay? I know a lot of students over the years, nine years of ministry, that have gone to camps, that have come to youth groups, that have had an experience, but shortly after, they've walked away from the faith. They never really had true saving faith, okay? It's not feelings. It's not emotions, and it's not our works. Faith is not a work. It's not something we do in terms of it's not our faithfulness, right? So when the Bible says, Jesus says, uh, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is hand, repent and believe. What is belief? What is then true saving belief? I have an acronym for you. You guys know what an acronym is, right? Okay, you guys are smart. Cat with a K. So, what faith is? Cat. Picture a feline. A Garfield. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not what faith is, right? That's a cat. And uh, cats are... I don't like cats, okay? But cats with a K, okay? The acronym is cat with a K. Okay, so who likes cats here? Okay, I had one really bad experience at my wife's house uh, when we were dating. Her, uh, her cat peed on my pillow. And I didn't, I didn't know it until I went to bed, okay? Yeah, um, <laughs> the stench. Yeah. Burned my nose hairs. Terrible, okay? Cat with a K. What is faith? Here's the acronym. First, faith is knowledge, all right? You gotta have some knowledge of something. And so when we talk about faith, having saving faith, it's a knowledge of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I just explained it to you. You guys know what Jesus has done. He's died on the cross for our sins, He's resurrected from the, from the grave. He's defeated death and sin and the devil. He is alive and he calls you to believe. And so you gotta have knowledge. You gotta know what the gospel is. Second is you gotta ag- agree, cat, K-A. You have to agree with it because there's some people that know, okay, I've heard the gospel a hundred times, but they don't agree with it, right? They just go about their business, it doesn't change them. And so you got to agree with it. But even these first two, knowledge and, a, being a, and agreeing, are not enough to save your soul. Okay? Why? Because everyone has faith in something. Okay? Everyone believes. Even the atheists put their faith, their trust, in some sort of knowledge, right, that they agree with. Our, and, and the content, right, Mormons put their faith in Joseph Smith's writings. Muslims put their faith in Muhammad's writings. In the Quran, non-religious people, they put their faith, they rely on money, on uh, happiness, on drugs, themselves, popularity, their friends. Uh, and they rely on the world to find and give them satisfaction. See, everyone has faith. Everyone believes in something, which brings up the question, why isn't everyone saved? Because even the terrorists, if you think of the terrorists that flew planes into 9-11, they had a faith, right? They believed in a God, and they were sincere, 
right? They believed this false truth so much so that they were willing to die for it, but it wasn't the right faith, right? It was knowledge and agreeing to something that was not true. There's a verse in James 2, 19 that talks about even the demons believe. If you think about it, demons and Satan, they have a really good theology. What that means is even Satan understands the gospel. He knows it. He knows the truth about Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He may agree with it, but he doesn't truly believe it, right? So there's a type of belief that is not saving belief. Think of Judas. You guys remember, you guys know Judas, one of the 12 disciples? He looked like a Christian. He looked like he believed. He preached with the other disciples. He ate with Jesus. People thought that he was saved, but he wasn't. And so people could have this out, they could, they could, they could have this outward appearance, like they truly are Christians. They may agree with the, with the truth of the gospel. They may know it. They may be able to recite it. They may know Bible verses, but they don't have trust, or I would say that's the last one, cat, personal trust, personal trust. So capped with a P, personal trust in Jesus Christ to save them, right? Judas didn't believe that. Satan doesn't put his trust in Jesus Christ to save him. He doesn't recognize Jesus as his savior. He hates him. And so there are people in the church that may have a knowledge about who Jesus is. They may agree to it, but they don't entrust their whole lives to it. They come on, uh, on Sundays and on Wednesdays. They say yes and amen, but then they go and they live their lives com completely as if God does not exist. And maybe that's some of you. So you need personal trust in Jesus Christ, your object, the object of your faith, right? Because what saves us isn't necessarily our faith, but who saves us? Jesus, right? Jesus. So what is faith? Faith is what is like a rope that attaches us to Jesus, right? So think about it this way. Um, you are walking on an, a lake that is frozen over, okay? And you're walking and you're thinking, okay, this is great. Um, and you fall in, right? You fall right in. And there is someone on shore who isn't going to walk out there, right? Who is there to save you, right? They have all the power or they have... They can save you. They have the power to save you. But the way in which you attach yourself to that salvation is through a rope, right? You need a rope. The rope that, that connects you to the source of salvation. And that's exactly what faith is. The thing is, with the Muslim, you guys are you guys following me? With, you, we need a rope, right, that is attached to Jesus. And that's what faith is. Faith is that rope. But the problem with the atheist is that rope is not attached to Jesus. It's attached to themselves. The Muslim attached that rope to Muhammad. The Mormons attached that rope to Joseph Smith. But true saving faith attaches itself to Jesus who died on the cross for us, right? That's the thing. So you can know, oh, there's my savior right there on the shore. There he is. I agree that he's there, 
But if you don't trust in him to save you, you guys following me? Then you will die. You will drown. Our faith must be in. It's always in something, and it must be in Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves. Therefore, we must trust in him, believe in him to save us. That's what faith is. One author says it this way. When the Bible talks about faith, it is not believing. Faith is not believing in something you can't prove, as so many people define it. It is, biblically speaking, reliance. It's a solid, a rock-solid, truth-grounded, promise-founded trust in the risen uh, Jesus to save you, right? Another definition of it. True saving faith is faith, or sorry, is acknowledging the truth of everything that God has revealed in his word, then trusting in him and receiving and resting on him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. See, salvation is by grace alone. It's a gift through faith alone. It's not of your own works. So true saving faith doesn't trust in your own good works to save you, but in Jesus's works to save you. And so one illustration of rest, uh, of faith is rest. When you go home tonight and you rest on your Tempur-Pedic mattress, <laughs> right? You, I'm sure, maybe some of you are weird and you sleep with one leg off of the bed, right? Resting on the ground and the other half of your body's on the bed. You don't put your faith, half of yourself on the bed, trusting in Jesus and the other half in the world. No, you lay on that bed and you rest. Well, in the same way, the way that one receives salvation is by resting our whole life upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's attaching that rope to Jesus. It's not attaching that rope to our good works when we're drowning. It's not attaching that, that rope to our parents. We don't attach that rope to, I go to church. And so there's a sign there that says, I go to church. That sign's not going to save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. And so true saving faith is knowledge about who Jesus is and what he's done. It's agreeing with what he's done for you. And then it's trusting him. Cat. All right. So when your parents ask you, what did Pastor JT teach you? You say, he taught me about cats. Knowledge, agreeance, trust, saving faith, right? Now, some of you think that we, that the Christian life is about believing in Jesus one time and then you're saved and then you move on to other things. That is not what the Christian life is about. Did you know that the Christian life is a life lived by faith? We are always called to be believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Not just the day that we were saved. Hopefully that's tonight for some of you that don't know Jesus, that haven't trusted in him. But we continually believe in him, right, Gabe? We continually put our faith in Jesus, right, Olivia? Every single day when we sin against God, we need to, we need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to confess our sins and then believe in the promises, 
for him. When we go through trials, we need to believe. This is why Paul, in Galatians 2.20, uh, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, as a human on this earth, I live by good works. No. I live by my mom's faith. No. I live by my parents. No. I live by going to church. No. I live by faith. In who? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says that the whole Christian life is a life of trusting in Jesus Christ. Not only now, but forevermore. That's what true saving faith is. And so I need to ask you, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And you want to know how you can know that you have? True saving faith always demonstrates itself, shows the evidence of true saving faith. Just like the evidence that Jesus rose from the grave was that the grave was empty, right? The evidence that Lila's apple tree is alive is the fruit. Well, in the same way, the evidence that we have had true saving faith is if our lives have bore fruit. Do we look at God's commands and his words and do we see in our heart that you have a desire to live for him, to glorify him? And when you fail, you don't rely on your own good works to pick you back up, but you keep trusting Jesus Christ. Student, you must put your faith in Christ. Believe in him or, I must warn you because I love you, you will be damned to eternal hell. 2 Thessalonians 2.12, Therefore God sends them, the wicked, a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, the wicked love their sin. But true Christians who trust in Jesus Christ, they love what God loves and they hate their sin. So have you trusted in Jesus Christ? And I pray that you would. It's a free gift. And one of the ways that you can demonstrate faith, one of the ways that you can receive salvation is through prayer. It's by praying and asking God. Because in prayer, you are trusting that he will hear you. And that when you ask God, forgive me, I am a sinner. I want to follow you. Give me salvation by your grace. He will answer. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I got to end with this. Verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, cat, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I pray that you would do that even tonight. Father God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for these students. I pray that every single one of them would demonstrate true, true saving faith in their life. God, that they would trust in you alone, Christ alone, nothing else for their salvation. For salvation is only in, found in Jesus Christ. I pray that the students heard this clearly and that they would put their faith in you. We love you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.